the reading this morning comes from Psalm 68, verses 1 through 6. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. This is God's word. It is true, and it's given out of his love. You may be seated. So this, um, one of the things you'll notice if you are uh, new to our church, if you've been around a while, if you look at the bottom of our bulletin, we have our finance update there. And one little asterisk that we have is that any uh, money that comes into the church, we give 15% of that away to help fund the mission of God outside of our church walls. And we've been doing that ever since we uh, started 10 years ago. Um, and so one of those things that we, the reason why we do that is we want to emphasize that it's not just about what God is doing here in our midst, but we want to be a kingdom multiplying church. We want to be able to, to give of ourselves for the glory of Jesus beyond our local church setting. And, and one of the ways we do that is by giving of our finances to help support other church planters and missionaries around the globe. And uh, about three, well, let me back up. Probably eight years ago, there was a very key couple in our church named Lloyd and Sandy Osborne. And they were just like very, very integral to who we were as, as a church family. They were some older saints in the faith. And they kept talking about this mission trip that they would take to Uganda and this amazing ministry in Uganda and how it had changed their lives when they had been able to encounter Jesus in a really special way in Uganda. So I heard all these awesome stories for about, about six years. When uh, on March, I think it was March 8th of 2020, uh, Jay and Vicki Danger showed up at a newcomer's lunch that they had been back from Uganda on furlough and they were trying to get connected to our church and so the reason I remember May or March 8th is because March 15th 2020 the whole world shut down I don't know if you've heard of COVID or anything like that but it kind of changed the world for a little while but so from that ever since that point from May from March 8th 2020 our church has been connected and building a relationship with Jay and Vicki Dangers and with New Hope Uganda and we've had the privilege of supporting them uh, financially for the last couple of years and praying for their ministry and just doing all that we can to encourage them as they do such wonderful work uh, in the ministry in Uganda. And so they're, like I said, they're part of our church family, and we have the blessing of supporting them uh, as church missionaries uh, sent from us, where they're, where they're sending church. And so in the hallway, we have, they have a table uh, with some more information about child sponsorships. There's some Ugandan chai tea uh, that's first come, first serve. So if I see you sneak out during the middle of the service, that's probably where you're going to get some Ugandan tea. But we want to uh, welcome Jay to have him come preach for us, to uh, give us a little more in- information about uh, the ministry. Uh, and so, yeah, let's, let's welcome our brother, Jay Dangers, as he preaches. Thank you. Good morning. It's a real privilege and honor to be able to uh, stand before you today and and bring God's word. Uh, As I do, I have a couple of prayer requests and or my prayers for our time today that through our time, we will have a refreshed love for our God who is an amazingly wonderful, compassionate, caring God. And along with that, that we will have a better understanding of the fatherless and their plight and the call of God to his people to care for those people. The second prayer is 
that you that uh, I will be able to let you out at a reasonable time, <laughs> because uh, I grew up in Congo. My parents were missionaries there, and uh, that's in the middle of Africa. And then I've spent most of my adult years in East Africa, uh, in Uganda, and in Uganda or in Africa, a four to six hour service is normal. <laughs> and um, so I'm trying to uh, rein that in a bit. They say that uh, in Africa, they say, give an Englishman a cup of tea, give an American a cup of coffee, give an African a microphone. <laughs> so let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that you are here with us. We thank you for your love and your care for each of us. And Father, we ask that your spirit will work among us today, whatever it is that is on your heart for us. And we pray that you will be honored and glorified in all that is said and done and how we receive your word today. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. Around the world, there are, they say, about 140 million fatherless and orphan children. I want you to think about that number a bit. That is about 35% of the entire US population are fatherless children. But that, you know, that is a huge number, bigger than we can really get our minds around, but it's made up of individual children, with each one with their own story. So what is it like? What is life like for a fatherless child? Every story is different. Uh, some uh, fatherless children are very quickly taken into a very loving, caring home of relatives or um, an adoptive family. And in the course of time, you know, life becomes normal and the, the grief subsides and so on. But for many, many of the children of that 140 million children, the tragedy of losing their parents is really beyond what uh, most of us can get our minds around. They, parents, especially the father, is the source of identity for a child. And when they lose their father and or mother, they lose their identity. Who are they? Yesterday, they had identity because they were the child of so-and-so. Today, they have buried that person, and who are they? Their, their frame of reference is gone, and life is confusing, their identity is gone, their security is gone, they are nobodies. And Yeah, they were, yesterday they were somebody. Today, they are nobody. 
can you imagine suddenly not knowing who you are or why you, why you have life? What are you doing here? The reference is gone. They are called abalekwa, which means the left ones. We have been to funerals where we have watched the last parent of a child buried, and we have seen the look of total despair, total confusion, total lostness register on the child's face. On top of that, often, in many different cultures, many different places, because this child isn't anybody anymore, because the person that made them a person is gone, uh, they have no rights, and relatives, neighbors, whoever can come in and just clean the house out of furniture and cooking things and whatever else, and leave the shell of the house and the kids in the house. Or they can even take the house and the property and the child is 100% on his own to find his way wherever he chooses. Extremely painful and something that I don't think very many of us have real, really any clear understanding of. Um, some children even become slaves. There was one boy that we had to rescue from slavery. Uh, he, he was about uh, four or five years old and his job was to carry water for the lady that he lived with. Now she did provide him with food but um, he was her slave. So does the word of God have anything to say about this group of people? Now, I, I know that uh, most of you in this room would be people who have a real soft place in your heart for this kind of person, a fatherless child, an orphan. But I, I wonder if you have taken time to really look into the word of God to see what he has to say about this group of people. Now, um, most of us would have run across the verse in James chapter one, verse 23, that says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their distress. That's a, a pretty well-known verse, but did you know that there are uh, verses in the Bible that talk specifically about the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow. And I will share some of those uh, with you, just a sample. But there is also another large number of verses that include those, uh, the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow, even though they are not specifically named. So when you are reading your Bible and you read uh, about the poor and the needy, that includes uh, the orphan and the widow. Or like in Matthew 
chapter 25, verse 40, where Jesus is speaking and he says, whatever you do for one of the least of these, you have done for me. You can't get much more least than to be a fatherless child in many places around the world. And Jesus says, whatever you have done for the least of these, you've done for me. Now, Jesus was talking about um, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned. That's, that's the orphan. That's the widow in many places. So we have a very, very compassionate, loving God who um, has a lot to say about uh, this group of people who are actually, and we need to keep this in mind, they are image bearers of the Most High God. So let me give you a sample. There is Deuteronomy chapter 27. Now, uh, Moses was speaking and he was giving a long list of curses. And at the end of each curse, the people were supposed to say, Amen. In other words, they are ratifying it. And then, then he gave a list of blessings as well. But this is one of the curses. Cursed is the man who withholds justice from the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Then God's people did not stick well to those, uh, their understanding of those curses, and they became wicked and were truly oppressing the uh, fatherless and the widow. And Isaiah eventually was sent to the children of Israel to uh, warn them and to call them back uh, to repentance and to God. And Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17 says, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Then Exodus uh, chapter 22. Now this is powerful. Listen to these <laughs> words and be careful how you treat the fatherless. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. Don't mess with the fatherless or the widow. God takes that very personally and very seriously. And then uh, Proverbs 23. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless. Deuteronomy 14, uh, 28 and 29. At the end of every three years, you shall take out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up in your towns and the Levites, the sojourners, the fatherless and the widows who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. 
So God has a lot to say about the fatherless and the widow. Uh, but remember, that's just a sample. There are many, many verses that uh, show what God's heart is toward these, uh, this group of people. I want to tell a story of one of the uh, three children that came to us in 1989. Our ministry was new, and uh, the people in the area were very suspicious of us. There were not very many foreigners who came in and stayed very long. And so they were very suspicious. They thought we had ulterior motives. And so they, the word went out through the villages uh, to all of the fatherless and the orphan children, don't go to Kasana where the white man is. If you do, they will eat you. So uh, it, it slowed down the number of orphans and fatherless that were, would come. But Paul and Machumi and Anamalia decided it was worth taking a chance uh, because they, their parents and most of their siblings had survived the war. This was three years after the war. And, uh, but then the parents got sick and died and then the two older sisters who were old enough to uh, help them also died. So Paul, the next oldest, was about 12 years old, and Machumi was about nine, and uh, Ana Maria was about six. And so they showed up one day, and we didn't eat them. Uh, in fact, they, they were received with love and care, and we began uh, to restore the concept of family to them and um, anyway they grew up at Kasana at our children's center and the Holy Spirit really worked in Paul's life. Paul has grown, he's uh, in his 40s now, he is married, he has three of his own children, he has adopted two fatherless children and uh, he has become a pastor, he started uh, I think three churches now, and he is a real leader of the pastors in our area. He, he's a, a wonderful man of God, and we're, we're grateful for what God has done in him. Machumi, on the other hand, has not done so well. Uh, the, he never has recovered from the trauma of becoming a fatherless boy at a young age. And we see him now and then, he, he rides by his motorcycle that is basically a taxi or a delivery truck. Uh, and he, that's how he makes his living. He's, he's closed. Uh, and uh, nobody knows what's going on in his heart because he won't talk. Uh, not even his brother Paul. Ana Maria grew up and uh, she ran away with a, a young man. Uh, they had a baby, they died, and now Paul has adopted 
uh, their child. Uh, his name is Gideon. He has grown up. Uh, he's he just finished the equivalent of 10th grade. He's doing very well. But it's wonderful to see Paul, who was an orphan, bring in the orphans. I want us to, uh, we, we've read several passages about what uh, God has to say regarding the fatherless and the widow. But I want us to look um, more carefully at the scripture that we read earlier, uh, Psalm 68, verses 1 through 6. Let's read that. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you, uh, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. Now, we have a tremendously powerful, victorious God. And he has been victorious, especially at the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. But there is going to come a day when God is going to be victorious or his victory will be evidently complete. It is complete, but it will be evidently complete to us. And at, at that time, his enemies shall be scattered. They shall be driven away. They shall melt like wax. But we, the righteous, shall be glad. They shall exalt before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the desert. His name is the Lord, exult before him. Can you imagine when that day comes, when we see Christ and we see his kingdom fully come on earth and his will being done on earth as it in, is in heaven. Imagine that day. We are going to exult before him. We are going to be jubilant. We are going to sing wildly at the top of our voices. It'll be a, an amazing time. And as we are exalting and praising God, praising Jehovah, the self-existent one, we're going to be looking for some more terms to praise him. And one of the ones we're going to think of is a father of the fatherless a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. Now, think of, I'm sorry here. Think of who God is. 
He is the self-existent one. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the holy, holy, holy one. He is the high and lifted up one. He is the one whose the, the angels adore. And he, that one, has chosen this to be one of his titles. A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows. What does that tell us about our God? What does that tell us about our God? His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His compassion reaches everyone at every level of the human experience. We have a wonderful God, people. We have an amazing God. Now let me ask you, have you ever thought about the fact that you either are or were fatherless? Everyone in this room has been fatherless at one time, or maybe some still are. Because when we live without Christ, before, before God has become our father through Jesus Christ, we are orphans. We are fatherless. And you can understand your lostness a bit by thinking about the lostness of the physically orphaned children. But we are, we are adopted into God's family when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and when his, his substitutionary death on the cross has cleansed us and made us worthy to be adopted by the Father. And then the spirit that comes to regenerate us is called in Romans, is called the spirit of adoption. We need the spirit of adoption because we were all fatherless. One of my favorite passages is John, 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is, that Christ laid down his life for us. And that's how our adoption was made possible. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. But that passage doesn't stop there. We know what love is because of what Christ did. But it goes on to say, and we ought also to lay down our lives for, our, for the brother, brethren. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need and closes up his compassions toward him, how does the love of God dwell in him? Let us not love in word or tongue, but in actions and in truth. Jesus Christ didn't just sit there on his throne in heaven thinking 
loving, kind thoughts toward all of us fatherless children struggling here on earth. He came and did something about it. His, his love was not just in word, but in actions and in truth. I'd like to show a little video now just to um, let you know uh, some of what uh, we've been involved in in Uganda. So. specifically for the purpose of setting up a ministry uh, to work with the fatherless children. It came out of the Ugandan Bush War where 300,000 civilians were slaughtered in a very small area. And Jay Danger said, I'm going right there. The foundation of our ministry was 1 John uh, 3, 16 through 18. True love is to be lived out uh, in actions and in truth and not just words. When we, we heard about the situation with orphans in this country, uh, we felt led to come and do something practical that would, uh, would care for the whole child uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and uh, academically. So we, we uh, went to Uganda in 1986. The war had been over for about nine months when we got there. And the statistics were that there were one and a half to two million orphans created by that war. And uh, we felt that God had called us using that passage that I just shared with you, First uh, John 3, 16, through 18, where it says, love in actions and in truth. So that's what God called us to do. Uh, our, our vision was to bring the fatherhood of God to the fatherless, and that comes, as you would have understood, from Psalm 68, uh, especially verses five and six. And then uh, verse six, where it says God sets the lonely in families, that gave us the model of what, uh, of how we would care for the children. God sets the lonely in families. So we set about creating families. We had have staff, Ugandan staff members who are parents uh, over families, and we bring uh, as as few children to them as we can. Normally the number is around 18 to 20 
two children in a family, and uh, that's because the demand is so high, the need is so great. Um, but each of these families really operate as a family. We have uh, four to five acres that uh, these families live on. They raise their own crops. You saw the oxen plowing. Uh, we, we've trained children to use the oxen and often you can see some oxen walking along and you don't see anybody driving them because the child driving them is too short and you can't see them over the oxen. Um, but uh, they learn to be family and this brings family back to the children because that's what they've lost primarily when their parents die, they've lost family. And uh, we want them to grow up understanding biblical family. So we teach it and we, we do all we can to live it out before them. Uh, the children uh, go to school. We have uh, a secondary, uh, two primary schools and a secondary school and a uh, clinic and a number of other things to care for the children, but we keep the children until they are ready for independent adulthood. We don't have a fixed age at which we say, you know, you've reached 18, you've reached whatever, uh, see you later. Uh, we, we work with them until they're ready to stand effectively on their own and be successful, uh, productive, adults. Today we have about 700 children that we're caring for and that's little children all the way through college aged children. Uh, God eventually gave us a second site and so we're using the same model on that site over in the eastern part of the country. Uh, and then we have um, on the shore of Lake Victoria, God has given us a large piece of land where we have a camp. Uh, and the purpose of the camp is primarily for training people of all ages in biblical manhood and womanhood. Because the, the breakdown in understanding of biblical manhood and womanhood is the root cause of most fatherlessness. So we're endeavoring to deal not just with the problem of fatherlessness, but the, the cause of it. I would like to invite uh, all of you to pray about how God might have you to partner with us in bringing the fatherhood of God to the fatherless. As Colbert already mentioned, we have a sponsorship program and uh, we have some ladies who will be manning the table uh, so you can get information on, on how you can be a sponsor of uh, one or more of the children. Uh, in October of this year, uh, I'm planning to take a team and I'm inviting this church in particular to uh, you all to, to come to Uganda to see for yourselves. Uh, if you are sponsoring a child, you can meet the child and uh, begin a, a relationship on that level. We are also looking for full-time 
short-term or long-term uh, missionaries, people who are teachers, accountants, uh, work with special needs, uh, people in the medical area, IT, construction, maintenance, repair. We have lots of different needs. And so maybe God is calling someone from this church to be a part of that. I know that uh, there are many ways for God's people to live out 1 John 3, 16 through 18. Um, in bringing the fatherhood of God physically and or spiritually to people. It doesn't have to be through New Hope Uganda. But my prayer is that all of us, because the call is for all of us, not just certain select people, that all of us will be involved in one way or another in bringing the fatherhood of God to the fatherless, whether they're physically fatherless or spiritually fatherless. And my prayer also is that we will not love only in word, but in actions and in truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our adoptive father and that you love us and that you made that adoption possible through Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you. You have been so kind to each one of us. And Father, I ask your blessing on uh, all of us and that your spirit will continue his good work in us, drawing us closer to yourself causing us to love you more, causing us to be faithful, to follow your word, and love in actions and in truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to uh, transition into a time of communion now. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Jay, for, for bringing us the word and um, reminding us of that the Lord has a heart for those who are outcast and, and orphaned and, and lost. Um, and it's just a, a very humbling reminder of um, we, we are more like the orphans than, than unlike. Um, we're, we're more like uh, those who are fatherless and widowed. And, <clears throat> and, and God loves us and, and pursues us. And I mean, we've been reading in First Peter 2.25 that we were straying like sheep running away from the one who sought us. So not only are we orphaned, we are running away from, from the one who cares the most for us, who, who loves us so much that he, he sought and pursued after us. Um, Ephesians 1 says, He chose us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, 
according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And that's why adoption is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. We were alone, outcasts and lost, and yet Christ loved us and brought us in to be sons and daughters of the king. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might be heirs of God. So communion is this time that we put aside each week um, as a discipline to remind ourselves of our sin and its costs and of Christ's great love for us. And also to anticipate the day that we will be sitting at the table with Christ um, at the wedding feast of the Lamb. This table is open. Um, if you are in Christ, then, you know, um, it is to, to come and, and be reminded of that. Um, if you are not of Christ, um, this is an invitation to, to consider him. And um, if you need prayer, my wife and I will be in the back corner there. But um, if you would, please stand with me and we can um, close in this corporate call for communion. So please, please read with me. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who are loved and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want should meet him here. Amen. Worship with me.